0: Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Jenny Walt, the president and CEO of Splashbox Marketing, who are a creative marketing and 508 ADA compliance agency. So this week, we're talking website accessibility. Thanks for downloading. Website accessibility is important. And if we're honest, we don't spend much time trying to make our websites easy to use for everyone. Even when we redesign websites, we hardly talk about accessibility. So in this episode, I'm talking to Jenny Walt, the president and CEO of Splashbox Marketing, who specialise in ADA compliance. And they help government agencies and the private sector try to do much better. Now, we talk about what website accessibility really is is, how colour contrast is important, and if things like website sliders and carousels and animations, things like that, if they're really accessible. Now, you can find Jenny on LinkedIn, also the Splashbox website. There's links in the show notes, so give them a tap. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? Love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. And subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can find more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Jenny was to explain what website accessibility really means. Is it more than font sizes and alt text. So
1: website accessibility, kind of an overview, is giving the hard of sight individual the same experience that a sighted individual would have on a website. Mm. So this starts with, and hard of sight is not just You can't see. Hard of sight is also a colorblind individual. Yes. Um, And then obviously there are varying degrees of of being able to see. So making sure that things you know have good color contrast so that anyone you know everyone can see it well. It also means providing alternate text behind images so that when that person is looking at your web page and there's an image there, they know there's an image there because their reader tells them it. Mm. But what you want to be able to do is also let them know what is that an image of. And so that is part of accessibility is providing that alt text. Um, it is also making sure that you're navigating, your navigation is set up in such a way that it's compatible mm. with readers. Yeah. Things like pop-ups on websites, um, any kind of plug-in, That supposedly makes the site accessible. Those are they don't actually work well, right? um, Because they're very difficult for the hard of sight individual to navigate. Um, So it's just a lot of different there's um, points of contact that are within a website most websites every single page will have at least 50 to 200 errors um, when we do when we look at one that are not accessible and then it also touches on all of the documents that are attached to those websites so if you've got pdfs or excel or powerpoints that you can download from your site those have to be made accessible as well
0: why do you think it is that we don't put much time into this because we don't, do we? I mean, a lot of folks don't when they build a website.
1: 98% of the websites out there are not accessible. Yeah. Um, and one, why, do, why I think do you it's think a knowledge it thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not that difficult to, to do it whilst you're building something, is it?
1: No, it's not. And I think mm. it's mostly people just have not been aware of this in the past. Um, and so it's just now kind of coming to the forefront. And unfortunately, it's being driven by lawsuits. Um, especially Mm. here in the United States. Um, We had almost 4,000 lawsuits in 2022 for accessibility and about 40,000 demand letters for compensation went out for accessibility. So it is starting to come to the forefront. People are starting to realize this is something we need to do. But in the past, it it has been something that's been uh, largely ignored. It's seen mostly as a cost center for companies instead of it being the
0: right thing to do. Yeah you mentioned the law because there's similar laws here in the UK and I think in Europe as well but i i might be wrong but i think they only kind of come into action on on websites and organizations that are of a certain size or a certain stature is that the same in the US or is it kind of like everybody would your local plumber for example could he be sued for not having an accessible site
1: the short answer to that for the plumber is yes. Right. Um, although the law is written in such a way it's very obscure here in the United States. The mm. 508 law itself is not very clear. So it leaves a lot leaves a lot of t- interpretation. Initially it was thought that if you got if you were a company that received any kind of government funding, your site had to be accessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the lawsuits are showing us um, and that it doesn't matter who you are. Um, if your website's not accessible and people can't get the information they need, you're opening yourself up to that lawsuit. So Beyonce's been sued. She decided to take it quite far because people couldn't buy tickets off of her website or sure. merch. Uh, Target has been sued. Theirs was one of the largest at $1.6 million settlement. And then you still have to become compliant after you you know, pay out yeah, yeah. those exorbitant yeah. fees. So, although perhaps the law isn't real clear on it, it it really is being driven by the lawsuits that are happening from heart of site individuals.
0: Yeah, it's worth just just doing it if you're having a redesign or a design or something. It's it's worth just building it into the strategy right at the beginning, isn't it? I think when you right, build the yeah. site.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that. Doesn't really cost more if no. you're just building it yeah. into the beginning.
0: Yeah, how yeah. would you how would you kind of start putting together some sort of strategy for, for a website design?
1: Well, what so there are a list of things that have to be taken care of in order to make your your website accessible. Hmm. So getting a hold of that information, um, we do offer checklists on our website that you can download that'll give you kind of an overview of that. But also just um, making yourself aware of what the guidelines are. And just starting from, you know, page one, if you're doing a, you know, a new setup, being aware of what those guidelines are and, and following them, a lot of your website uh, design companies like something like Wix hmm. um, will have accessibility help now on, as a part of the design platform. Yep. And so you can utilize those services that is helpful. When we start to work with a company that has had a website that's been around for a while, uh, we will go in and we'll do a review of the website, every single page, and then we will give them um, basically a detailed list of their marching orders of what their IT department needs to fix in order to make it accessible.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned navigation a bit earlier because like you go on some websites and the navigation's bigger, the biggest thing on the page, it's like Enormous, isn't it? These mega menus we've got now that like drop down with hundreds of options. How on earth do you right. make that accessible?
1: It's making it into smaller chunks, uh, right. for one thing. It's making them so that they're they're not pop up windows. They you know exist in menus that stay up and yep. allow the reader to uh, read through them. Um, you don't want these ones that kind of flash at you. Um, they need to be very, you know, clear. The contrast needs to be really high on those menus. Um, but simplicity is really what the easiest way to say this to people is just keep them simple. Um, go back. We've gotten really fancy in our yes. web designs, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, we and, yeah.
1: which is, yeah. you know, that's great. But just keeping it simple. You
0: know, yeah, really. we've, it's it's like cycles. Because I was talking to somebody the other day and it was like, I think, I'm close on 30 years since I built my first website for money as such. So I'm like like really, really old. And and websites back then were like a nightmare. It was like everything was on the page. And then we went through this stage of minimalising everything and everything became a lot simpler. And now we seem to have gone back down that whole thing where we just put everything back on the page again. Do we need to get back to just a simple website?
1: Yeah, I I really think we do. And I think it makes it more navigable for everybody involved. If it's just a very simple page. I know, I I feel you, I've gone on some websites and you're just scrolling forever, you know, to get to the bottom of this page and, and it makes it really hard to get around.
0: Yeah, it's not that fancy at all, is it, really? No, um, it's not. No. <laughs>
1: it's just different.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned colour contrasts as well, because I'm colourblind. I'm red-green oh, colourblind, okay. so I can never be a train driver, which has really disappointed me, because you can't be a train oh. driver with red-green, which is probably safe, because, like, the stop and go. I mean, it's kind yeah, of that would, that
1: Yeah, would be, <laughs> that would be impactful.
0: <laughs> yeah, a uh, little, bit, little bit important. Um, so, So how... How do we look? I mean, is color contrast important?
1: Very, yes. Mm. I mean, in in your situation, especially, you know, you need to be able to tell that the background is different from the foreground or perhaps you won't be able to read those letters, right? Or they will blend together because the two colors may look the same to you. So there are color wheels um, specifically designed for the heart of sight um, and for colorblind individuals that will show you what two colors can work together for that hard of sight. I mean, sticking with your black and white is a great way to do that, especially yeah. on your navigation bars. Um, but just high contrast as well. So if you've got, if you're going to use, you know, um, text over color, just make sure it's at least, you know, 30% different, 40% different, the higher the, you know, the contrast, the better it's going to be. For them to be able to see
0: yeah are we talking about really trying to use some pastel colors i suppose in a way and and, and have say black text on something that is past pastel a pastel color a, a lighter color
1: yes for sure um black text is you know by far the yeah. greatest advantage that you can use to make your website accessible and then just keeping those background colors very light not putting copy over photos um because that that makes it difficult to read
0: What was that thing that happened? I think, I don't know whether it was Apple that introduced it on their website a long time ago. Maybe, I don't know, 2010, 11, 12, something like that. But it was this grey text on the white background. And it seemed to catch on everyone. Everybody seemed to do it. I always thought that was awful.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All my clients latched onto that one as well. Um, I had so many clients that we started designing and like, 80 percent um, black or 70 percent black and it's just it does not do the heart of sight any favors uh, or you know as as we get older I would much prefer black text as opposed to a light gray yeah so yeah, yeah but I'm, that was definitely an apple thing for sure
0: yeah it was wasn't it yeah I'm, I'm definitely with you on the on the kind of like the black text on a white background it's, it's age um so at, what about things like carousels and scrollers and animations and things which move? Because I know for the last couple of years, when I'm designing stuff, I'm moving away from this. Are these things access- accessible?
1: It depends on how they're set up initially. Like if we were to look at one, we could show you one that is set up correctly. It has the alt text behind those images. The, the scrolling is, is manual as opposed to flipping through images automatically um so that the the person can control how long that image stays up so they can hear the alt text to that image right so you can have the carousel but you need to simplify it and make sure that there's the alternative text behind it too
0: so so get me right if this is a screen reader and it's reading the alt text on say an automatic scroller if it's not finished reading the text and the image scrolls does the screen reader just stop reading?
1: Yes, it will stop reading. In automatic. That's awful. Well. Yes. That's so really that's bad. So that's why it needs to be. Yeah, it needs to be controllable.
0: Yeah. So so nothing, nothing that actually just just moves automatically. You, you have to give some sort of an action. The user has to give an action to make it move. That makes it much more accessible. Yes yeah what about things like little flyout animations and things because this is quite popular at the moment like when you scroll down the screen um I, I suppose it's like lazy loading isn't it things are, are loading as you get to them it, it does that cause any issues with screen readers and, and accessibility
1: anything that's changing as you're scrolling is going to have to be looked at um, to to make sure it's done in such a way that it's accessible um you know my my first recommendation is just don't don't do that. If there are videos on your site, there are things you can do to make those accessible as well. So if you've, you know, you're scrolling down and you have, you know, this video that starts to play, because I've noticed some of them will just automatically start playing. um, Those videos need to have video descriptions that also tell us, tell the the watcher what they're seeing. So it's giving Mm. an audio description of the images within that video as well.
0: Right, I got you, got you, got you. What about emojis?
1: Emojis, usually, you'll apply alt text to those and it'll describe what they are. Yeah.
0: Because there's a bit of, there's a fuss on social media, isn't there, where folks do use fancy text and things and they use like, thanks, like they make it look as if it's a fancy font on the social media post. And I think I've seen some of these things where people have recorded their screen reader reading it and it's just gibberish, isn't it?
1: Yes, it can be for sure. And so staying away from, you know, those kind of things on social media is always great. Um, providing, like if you post, like, let's say Instagram, you put up a photo in your description below, make sure you describe what that photo is, you know, what it is a picture of and give all that information.
0: Yeah, because it's not just the website, is it? Like you mentioned earlier, it's PDF downloads, documents. What about forms and things like that, forms that can be filled in? Is there there something we can do to our forms to make them more accessible?
1: Yes. So if it's a downloadable PDF form that you're using, Mm. you will make sure that those form fields all have a very good description of what is supposed to go into that field. And it's not just... repeating exactly what was in the form type so if it's the name yeah, yeah. you would say you know uh, you know first uh, you know put in your first name and yeah. give you more instruction onto those and the same thing with any kind of web form it's providing those additional instructions within the form fields
0: yeah because a lot of forms now web forms will have the placeholder uh, in the middle of the field and that's the description of the field isn't it, it, it yes. does the screen reader read that Yes, it does. It does, it does. So yes. you don't necessarily have to have a title of the, like a title above it. Or would that, would that be better?
1: Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. And that's where you would then have the additional instruction within the form field itself.
0: But, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Just to explain everything, I suppose, yeah. Right, um, yeah. Are there any tools that we can kind of use to help us check out? our content, either before it's going live or, or, or if we just want to have a look at our website?
1: There are several um, checkers out there that you can use to look at color contrast and to review your site. One that we use um, a lot is called Site Improve right? and it's also the one that the US government uses to troll all of their websites. Um, there's Equidox, they will also look at your website. And they'll give you an an overview of the issues that exist. And as I was, I mentioned earlier, like Wix, um, if you set your website up on them, they have something that'll go through and look at those items as well and give you suggestions for repairing.
0: Yeah. Do do these, do the web builders think, but, you know, things like Wix and Squarespace, and I suppose to a certain extent, um, you know, a standard. WordPress installation do those tend to be better at accessibility than other things
1: uh, you know I don't have a lot of experience on the the different tools for creating mm. the websites themselves since we're usually coming in on the back end after it's already designed right um, and then providing the instruction but I, I do have the experience with um, with the Wix, knowing that they they have some great tools yeah oh, so I good. think they're all being forced to start incorporating those more into their platforms. So, I definitely utilize them if you're, you know, designing on the, any of those platforms because it will it will at least give you that minimum amount of accessibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how does um Splashbox help? I love the name, by the way. It's a great oh, name. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it really is. How how do, how do you guys help help with 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 accessibility?
1: Our primary focus is making inter- the um, individual documents that are uploaded to the web accessible. Yeah. So that's what we spend most of our time doing, is remediating PDFs, Word, Excel, and uh, PowerPoints. So we'll, we work heavily with the US government. We um, do all of the documents for the National Park System. And then we also work with a lot of healthcare plans for all of their online documents for their um, clients access
0: yeah i was just you, you just got me thinking again of something else i was thinking plain english as well the, the, the things are written in plain english and it's not i was doing a big project government project all oh, years and years and years ago and they they hired two people to convert everything the marketing team wrote they converted it into plain english so everybody could understand it because that's important as well isn't it
1: uh, yes, it is. So we work with our clients to write everything in a sixth grade reading level.
0: Right. S-
1: so it makes it simple for, because a lot of your people are not maybe primary English speaker. Sure. And so that makes it a little easier for them to navigate as well. So yeah, we, yeah. we concentrate on that too. And we also remediate in all languages. So if you've got, you know, a lot of our insurance documents we'll have for 27 different languages yeah. on their websites. So we'll remediate yeah. for all of those.
0: It's fascinating. I mean, I, I, we could talk for ages on this because it is a fascinating and it's really, really, really important, isn't it? And we don't give it enough importance.
1: Yes. Well, you know, I don't know worldwide, but in the United States, there are 25 million Americans that are considered hard of sight.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's a large part of the population that you're keeping from being able to use your website. And those are potential clients that are going to go somewhere that is accessible when you're not. So yes, it helps the hard of sight community, but you also will in the end help your business by being accessible because you're increasing your market share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was. You got me thinking again because my mum has got um, what's called macular degeneration. So she's, so she's, she's quite hard. You know, she can't, she can't see very well at all. And even though she's got like this giant TV, I mean, it's like massive, (laughs) the size of the wall. It's she can read the text on it. It's just that when the contrast of the text is like, Mm -hmm. you know, like white on a light blue background or something, and it's like, yeah, that's uh, awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need to think about this more. Um, where can we find Splashbox? Um, where's your website, social media bits?
1: It's uh, splashbox.com. So real easy. Swish yep. Splash, yep. kind of Splashbox. <laughs> and then we are on Instagram and Facebook. We don't tweet, but... Uh, don't blame you. <laughs> we do have those two platforms, Are uh And we are on LinkedIn as well. We're pretty active on all three. So at any point, you know, we can be contacted on the social media or through our website. And, you know, we're happy to do test documents for people Mm. or give a, you know, an overview of the first page of their website and um, let them know the kind of things that they need to be thinking about.
0: Get your red pen out and... I, yes. I bet some people <laughs> have a bit of a shock when they see the report, aren't they? I'm sure yes. they Yes, we that. had
1: one client, uh, we did a review of their first couple of pages and they 2,500 issues. Oh. So um, they were a little oh, yeah. shocked.
0: I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jenny, thanks ever so much for your time. I much appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks again to Jenny for her time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.